Today on the Pokemon Masterclass, I am joined by the legend himself to discuss his amazing journey through the world of Pokemon card collecting. From the beginning, Gary Hayes has been one of the most instrumental figures advocating for the hobby and his influence today extends far beyond its humble beginnings. Although he is predominantly known for having the world's most expensive collection, today we take a deeper look into who the man behind the collection really is. Whether you know him as Gary or King Pokemon, it is with sincere pleasure that I present you one of the most kind-hearted and generous members of the community. Please welcome everyone, the man, the myth, the legend, Gary Hayes, aka King Pokemon. Gary, how is it going, my friend? Oh, it's going very well. Thanks for having me on here. Well, this is a true treat for me, my friend. I tell you, it's... Thank you. It's always a full circle experience for me doing these interviews because I tell my guests all the time, a lot of the people that I have on were big influences to me in jumping onto YouTube and really getting back into Pokemon in general. And this is, is no exception to the rule. You have been a huge influence and I know there's so many people out there that can attest to the same thing. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. Well, great, but it's still nice to hear that. I appreciate that. Oh, of course. Well, Gary, I think the best place to start here, obviously you are very well known throughout the hobby, but many people out there may not know your actual origin story, at least when it comes to Pokemon. So if you would, go ahead and take us back to the beginning and kind of fill us in on how all of this started and how you became involved in Pokemon. Well, my very, my very first exposure to Pokemon, the first time I even heard about it was like somewhere somewhere around 1997, I think, it's somewhere in that area, uh, where there was an international newswire. It came across uh, uh, the AP, Associated Press, and it was talking about Japanese kids going into seizures because of a Japanese cartoon. And of course, that was uh, Pocket Monsters, Pokemon. And so, I, I, you know, I thought, boy, this hit the international news, and you know, kids are watching. It was a, you know, these multicolors and swirling colors, and it actually put some kids into seizures. And uh, and you know, that was such a that that just told me that the hobby must be awfully huge in Japan for that number one to garner attention locally there. But then to hit the international press, you know, I, I thought, boy, this is really something, you know, this, this, uh, this is something to look into. And, you know, which I did. And then I found out that uh, they were in 1998, that they were hoping to, you know, go with an international release. And, and I just couldn't see that missing because I knew about the popularity in Japan you talk about the, you know these days people you know talking about scalpers and not being able to find modern product and all that well it was even worse than that in japan when in the mid 90s when pokemon came out so you know just knowing that i knew it was going to be big here so i got involved with a group that uh brought uh japanese promos over from japan not set cards but promos Mm -hmm. You know, things things like the birthday Pikachu and uh, in inside the sticker packs and, uh, you know, the vending cards, the uh, CD promos. And uh, 
got them on the air here at the uh, Home Shopping Network or Shop at Home, whatever it was called at the time. And uh, they just, you know, sold out immediately for big bucks. Uh, we ended up sending them all to PSA and having them graded and then just did one of those big hype jobs, you know, like you see on Home Shopping. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we got Ken Golden or somebody to do it, you know, a typical huckster. And, uh, but it was really, it was really popular. You know, I mean, everything just always sold out. And then once a media factory in Japan saw how popular it was and it was going to be, they cut us loose. And because uh, they wanted, you know, they didn't want to share the pie. They wanted mm -hmm. to take it all, uh, understandably. And so, you know, that was really my first exposure you know, in a business sense. In a, in a personal sense, as soon as they hit, you know, as soon as uh, January 1999 came and th there was, you know, some some release on the West Coast, I, I was all over it. I jumped all over it, collected with my sons, uh, built sets, uh, sold duplicates on Yahoo USA. There used to be a Yahoo Auctions USA mm -hmm. that years ago closed down in the United States. And... Uh, and my sons loved it. All of their all of their friends loved it. Uh, if you went on the schoolyard, every single kid had their binder, and they were all Pokemon. And and so, uh, from a personal sense, that's where it got started. So, what were you doing at that time? You said that you you saw the potential there, and so you you connected that with the Home Shopping Network and some bigger figures at that time. Were you involved in that industry? What, I'm interested to know what you were oh. doing at the time. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, far from it, actually. I was uh, running the Asian games section, uh, Asian gambling games, at the Bicycle Club Casino in Bell Gardens, California. I had a background running casinos and things in Las Vegas. And, but at that time, uh, I was uh, like in my eighth, eighth or ninth year at the bicycle club in Bell Gardens in, in California, just outside of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And then I came down with an illness. I got a malignant melanoma, you know, a, a cancer in my leg, and that was requiring surgeries. And so I wasn't able to work. And uh, that that was you know right at the beginning of 1999 right when the Pokemon thing started and so because of all the surgeries I couldn't walk and so I was you know pretty much confined to quarters and yet I had my you know seven and eight year old boys and and so I was you know messing around with them participating in their stuff and uh, that's when Pokemon came out and so I was able to concentrate full-time on what the newest thing was and that was Pokemon and what was going on at the time was unprecedented I never saw such a reaction to any new release of anything and I go back to the as a little kid in the 1950s collecting things I had never seen anything like what was going on with Pokemon and so uh, even though I was enjoying it with my sons I had quite a background in uh, other collectible card games you know, TV series, old card, tops cards from the 1960s, 1970s. Anyway, I understood condition. I knew to take care of your stuff and mm -hmm. that, you know, if it was going to be valuable someday, uh, it'd be more valuable if they were in good condition. And so having that, having that knowledge, 
I ended up taking care of all the cars. We played with them. We did everything with them, but they were always in sleeves and top loaders. And uh, but I had time to do it because of my illness. Wow, and that that sounds uh, pretty familiar to what a lot of people are going through right now with the pandemic. It's it's yeah. it's yeah. kind of a modern day you know similar occurrence where a mm -hmm. lot of people found more time on their hands. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why Pokemon really exploded over this last year. There was more, there was more time. People were spending more time at home, maybe on YouTube, and coming across YouTubers. And you know, it, to me, it was really just a perfect storm. Of yeah, all on of a these. much bigger scale. But you're right. It's mm -hmm. that's exactly what I went through. You know, as a party of one compared to now. But that's that's a good observation. That's that's exactly what it was like. If I was working, I couldn't have participated like I did, and everything would have been different. So you had this previous history with collectibles. I'm interested to hear from you. Were there certain characteristics about Pokemon? I, obviously, you said you had never seen such uh, mm -hmm. such popularity before in right. a hobby. But were there any particular factors uh, that really stood out to you that said that you said to yourself? this is something that I think has long-term value or long-term collectability? I guess it was the general, the general interest, the general enthusiasm, the every, I mean, we, we got notes sent home to us telling us that kids were no longer allowed to bring Pokemon cards to school. Uh, I mean, that's unprecedented. You know, that's, we, there was stuff like that was never going on. And, and and all that that meant was that all the kids were so into it that they that it was uh, just a phenomenon, and mm -hmm. so that that's really that's really what the difference was. There were a lot of things you know for the previous years. You know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was was fun. The uh, you know the uh, Power Rangers. You know there there was a lot of great you know great uh, kids things that you could collect and sure enough I did I collected everything back then mm -hmm. and and uh, except nothing rose to the to that level nothing was like it and I was I, I mean I'm no genius that's for sure but I was smart enough to recognize to recognize a unique trend and this was a unique trend this was unprecedented never saw anything like it in my life I mean uh, you talk about people lining up in front of the targets now right you know trying trying to get modern product well back then they were stealing trucks they were hanging out in front of wizards of the coast uh you know digging through trash cans you know just to get any little pokemon related thing that they could find and remember that's when the parents none of us knew anything about pokemon you know mm -hmm. These days, you know, you might have you might have a son or daughter who loves Pokemon, yet you know you're they're preaching to the choir because you loved Pokemon when you were a kid. So so you already you have that connection. Back then we didn't, and yet it was still monstrous. Mm -hmm. Well, I totally agree with you. I mean, mm -hmm. I was I was eight years old when um, Base Set was initially released in the U.S. And I tell people this all the time, and I don't know if you remember this as well, Gary, 
But if, as you said, if people think that it's crazy now where it's hard to find products in stores, same thing. I remember shelves were cleared because people were, kids were going in, actual kids were going in and stealing products off the shelves. And I can remember going to your Targets, your Walmarts, the big box stores, and you could not actually purchase product off of the shelves. You had to go to the customer service counter. They had the cards behind the counter and then they actually (laughs) allocated you a certain amount of packs. You couldn't just buy out a whole booster box. They allocated you a certain number of packs. So the allocations and the, the short supply has really been there since the beginning. It really has and it, and it's peaked probably five, six times like it is now. It's peaked five or six times over the last 22 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't only in the beginning with base set when it first got introduced. I mean, it's that's happened numerous times over the last two decades. And that's what I try. That's what I try to get across. You know, everybody acts like this, that this is crazy. You know what the scalpers are doing. And and all, I said, listen, all the scalpers are are the secondary market. You know, we've had secondary markets for every single popular collectible in mm-hmm. my lifetime. So I, whether it was at a convention or or when the computers, you know, got, you know, when started getting computers and started getting, you know, the auctions. I mean, it's uh, it's always been there. This is not unusual. And what we had to do was adjust. You know, we had to maneuver. We maybe we couldn't do this, but we could do that. And mm-hmm. that's one that's one of my pet peeves now is about, you know, especially, you know, like that, like that caribou girl and some other, this other one. I mean, it, 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 they make it sound so negative and they make it sound unprecedented. It's not, you know, this has happened many times before with all kinds of collectibles. And if the hobby wasn't worth it, if it wasn't popular, it wouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with you, and I've held a similar sentiment, and I've also given kind of the juxtaposing argument of, well, yes, there's a lot of people now that are very into Pokemon, and people are wanting to get products, but where Mm -hmm. were you back in 2015, 2013, when Pokemon was going through a slump? Yeah. Those same people weren't there screaming at the top of their lungs, where's Uh the products at? Right. Yeah, but a lot of that, a lot of these uh, longtime uh, content creators, they were there back then, mm-hmm. and they were doing the same thing then they're doing now, and and that's why I respect, I love all the content creators. You know, they're you know they've hung in there. It's it's not just because it's popular, more popular now is because they love the hobby, and mm-hmm. uh, and I I don't like anybody to you know cast shade on those people which is why I didn't like that caribou video casting mm-hmm. shade on all these all, all these unbelievably great people most most I know personally you know as just tremendous people and uh, I mean I I'm, I'm just hoping I mean I I don't know if you were gonna get to this but the Scott Pratt video I'm pushing that like crazy because he's discussing the same thing all of them are except he doesn't mention one person's name. He doesn't, he doesn't cast shade on scalpers or on PSA or on uh, uh, media, uh, Wizards, I mean, uh, the Pokemon Company International. Uh, all he does is, 
come up with solutions and ideas, you know, that you can't do this, but you can do that. Maybe, you know, maybe you can't get the base set right now, but you can get the Japanese base set. The prices are so reasonable. It's the identical artwork, uh, mm -hmm. actually better paper stock. Uh, you know, you, you, go, you go through things like that. Sometimes you have to adjust. You can't always get what you want today. Now, those things can come in time. You know, mm -hmm. right now it's not gonna it's not gonna be a, a crazy frenzy forever. You know, so yeah. So I I mean I don't know. That you know it's kind of a what what I'm going through right now a pet peeve where I'm trying to educate people. You know, don't don't feel bad. You know, don't don't curse the hobby and don't uh, don't be so doggone negative because ninety percent is positive. Be ninety percent positive and throw in your feelings. You know, we all have negative feelings. You know, throw them in, but don't cast it as if that's the whole hobby. It's not. Mm -hmm. There's so many positive, good things going on. Uh, be a part of that, and your collectible, your collecting style, change it a little bit. You know, adjust it. You know, you got to go with the times. Mm -hmm. Well, Gary, I think you have the evidence of that right there sitting behind you. you. Like you said, many of these influencers, many of these content creators have, take Leonhardt, take the Aoki Foundation, yeah. through the umbrella, through the means of Pokemon, have been able to raise so much money for various organizations. Uh, right. You know, take take Leonhardt, I, I, you know, I'll say it right here, that he was the one that seemed to have taken most of the brunt of the punishment off of that video. Yet this is also the same guy who is essentially giving away base set packs for $3.99 right. and allowing people to, you know, enjoy the hobby, which yeah. in actual, it is, it, it can be expensive. And also to your same point, the market is going to do what the market is going to do. Uh, that, yeah. You know, I'm a former financial advisor, and so I understand markets and, and how they operate. And right now, we're in the high. We're in the high of the market, and that's typically right. not a good time to buy into the market. Right. In anything. In anything. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether it's collectibles, whether it's the financial markets, real estate. You, mm -hmm. you want to buy in when it's at its low point, and it just so happens we are going through a peak at this time. But as you right. said... I have created videos myself, much in, in the similar manner to what Scott Pratt put out, in okay. that there's always mm -hmm. opportunities out there for collectors, for investors. So if you go down that hierarchy, you can start at first edition base set. Well, if that's if that's not within your realm, then maybe it's shadowless. If that's not unlimited, um, Japanese evolutions, you can just continually right. go down CP6. There's always a price point for everyone, in my opinion. Yep. And I think that's where people just have to kind of open their eyes to right. that wider that wider opportunity. Yeah, don't just snivel and complain about it. You know, mm -hmm. make it make it fit you. You know, make it fit you personally, you know, with what you can do. And and you're right about you're right about Lee, about Leon Hart. He uh I mean there is no more genuine, genuine guy than he is. You know, mm -hmm. if go back and check his years ago, his very first video. Go back and look at his very first video and see what his goal was. His he states it in his first video 
that he wants to that he wants to do something that he wants to build up a channel that he that he can raise that, that he that he's going to be able to raise money for charity and I mean that was his goal from the very first day mm -hmm. right and yet this is the guy people are casting shade on oh my god and as far as being legit I've uh, him and he's had me he loves to do videos with me because he gets a lot of views so he likes that mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but, he, uh, but but he loves to do videos with me and so I'm with him in person you know many times and I've seen him his reaction I've seen the look in his eye I've seen I've seen how important this is and and, and how how those reactions you see you know outside the thumbnails but you know you know the reactions you see when he posts things is to, are totally legit mm -hmm. I mean he feels this from the heart he loves it the charity aspect of it is nothing new it's something he said he would do from his very first number one video with zero subscribers go back everybody that watches this go back watch his first video and and see what he what his goal was and that he he not only accomplished that goal but he blew he just blew it apart I mean mm -hmm. uh, now his first year doing the NAMI I did it with him so I was able to communicate a lot with him and and help him with it and in that and uh, I mean he just wanted to keep going and going with it I mean I mean he's he's legit he cares he cares about the hobby he cares tons about his I mean I've done uh, appearances with him you know besides the one a couple of weeks ago I've done other ones with him where he will stand talk to these little kids with their with their mother or father when there's a long line and just asking them about school you know asking them you know what what you know who's your favorite instead of just signing something and rushing them on their way actually mm -hmm. interested in his followers actually caring about these kids how many times I heard him say oh yeah you were here last year I remember you and stuff like that right mm -hmm. and so yeah you're right about you're right about him and about these other guys too you know honest to God these you know these are tremendous people who care about what they're doing and they deserve nothing but praise and uh, and then there's going to be some some other things coming up too you know with Leon where I'm going to be you know working working with him and uh, see people tend overall to uh, trust me for some reason you know to trust me and I guess they they know I this I don't do this for a living you know this isn't you know this is just something I do out of a passion but mm -hmm. because of that I get to know everybody else and I know who's legit and and that that video that that put these you know that put super duper Danny in a bad light what no way I don't I don't think I I don't think I it, are you speaking of the same video yeah the caribou video mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. the big big topic of the day uh there's been other things in the past but but you know even super duper danny you know was put out there and there's not a sweeter person on the planet than her so right. <laughs> well you know gary i think you know going back to your 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 question of why people trust you i think it's very much the same reason that people trust Lee, people trust Super Duper Danny, and it's because, and, and I've actually had the opportunity to speak 
uh, at least a super duper Danny. Never, unfortunately, had the privilege to speak with uh, with Lee before. Uh -huh. But you and her and, and many of the people in this hobby, it's the same characteristic. You're completely genuine. You know, it doesn't matter if you're with Steve Aoki. It doesn't matter if you're with Graham Stephan or you're speaking to little old Pokey Nav here. It's, right. it's the same generosity through and through. No matter who it is, no matter how big, how small, it's that same level of generosity. And I, and and to me, it permeates throughout the hobby. Yes, there's going to be some bad apples in no mm -hmm. matter what hobby it is. Doesn't matter what sure. you're doing. Um, but for the most part, I think the hobby and the community as a whole should consider themselves very lucky that we do have the the personalities and the individuals in this hobby that we do because i've been a part of other hobbies before and they can be very very toxic so i think we're we're quite lucky right well we were talking a little bit about the girls and i mean you like you know that's that's a big project for me now where i'm trying to pump up the you know the uh uh, the females in the hobby. I told you I have like 3,000 uh, female followers on Instagram, and yet I don't think there's 10 content creator, you know, uh, females, you know, that are out mm -hmm. there. And that that's ridiculous. You know, they, because it's because of the way they get treated. It's because of the, uh, you know, it's like it's okay. It's okay for these, you know, weirdos to say anything they want to them. But then it, it, it hurts you. You know, not everybody is like, you know, well, I don't want to say you know, everybody specifically, you know, some it bounces right off. Like my wife, you know, that stuff, mm -hmm. you know, she knows these are just silly little boys and, and that. But, you know, but it hurts, you know, sometimes when you hear it, when you have people leave, even for us, when they mm -hmm. leave bad comments, you know, it even hurts us sometimes. So, mm -hmm. you know, that that's that's why I'm, I'm, pu I'm pushing to, you know, to get more. I would love to get a panel. Of, of the girls together, a moderated panel of like six of them. And I think it'd be a great video for some content creator to do. I don't really mm -hmm. do much, you know, of that. I'll participate for everybody, but I do very little myself. Uh, but it would be a great thing for somebody to put together, you know, put together a panel. You know, with people like Edith and, and Jess plays Pokemon and mm -hmm. Bo Dangers and Super Duper Danny. You know, get all these, you know, get all these girls together. Uh, you know, even even uh, Caribou Girl, you know, get get her too. Because, you know, most of, pro, most of the stuff she does is fine. And, uh, you know, but she has a little bit different uh, opinion. Well, that's good. Let, get them out there. Get them to, to discuss it. And mm -hmm. it would be a it would it would be interesting for all of us to watch too. Oh, for sure. No, we I totally would learn, agree. We would learn something. Definitely, and I've been a big proponent of that uh, since the beginning, since I started my channel. And one of the goals that I had for this channel was to have that open dialogue, that 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 open conversation where we could bring together people of differing perspectives, different ideas. And, uh, you know, bring them together and be able to have a discussion where, you know, people could hear all of these different perspectives, these different opinions, yeah. and then could make more of an educated uh, decision as to, you know, how they want to invest, how they want to collect, what their uh, overall, um, you know, perspective on the hobby is. And I think the only yeah. way that you can have that is with that open dialogue. So I, I really like the thought of that. And it's also good, you know, for the for the new girls coming into the hobby, 
you know, to have, you know, somebody they can maybe relate a little bit better to, you know, than, uh, you know, you know, than, you know, somebody like me, you know, somebody, you know, some old guy, you know, get some of the young, young girls, you know, where they, where they can have their own role models. I'll tell you mm -hmm. what, this hobby deserves it. I mean, this mm -hmm. hobby is, is, is jam up, you know, it's a great, great hobby and it has everything and it, and it deserves, it deserves uh, to cater to, you know, to the young girls coming up too and that they have their own role models. And we do have some already. We do have some, we just don't have enough. So well, let's, let's who support knows? them, let's be nice to them, let's build them up, you know, let's, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of our success and a lot of our hobby success depends on them. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I, I've said before, we are really on the precipice of this hobby. We're still in the infancy of Pokemon card collecting mm -hmm. and everything that we do now, all of the things that we put into place now will determine how sustainable it is, the long-term success of it, and and how enjoyable it is for people and and for our kids, you know, for for your grandkids, for my kids, for their kids, for generations to come, we are really at the forefront of that, and I think we should all be very cognizant of that fact. Right, it's kind of a responsibility we we have, and we should take it as a responsibility too. Definitely, definitely, and I and I think we do have great figureheads like yourself, like Lee, and I know that all of you guys really understand that responsibility and yes. understand that you, you know, you are the faces. And uh, like I said, I'm just, I'm very happy to be even, even a small part of this, but. Uh, yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're not small, but you're, you were smaller and you're getting bigger and bigger and there, and there's a reason for that. Well, I, I hope so. I think it's mainly because uh, mainly because I get good people like yourself on. <laughs> yeah. You guys make me look good by proxy. <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad I can be a part of it, and I hope you call me again. Oh, definitely. No, the the invite is always there, always mm -hmm. there. And I know you're a busy guy, always got things going on, and that's actually something that I wanted to to talk to you about. So for me, my first introduction to you. Mm -hmm. was, as I think many people, was through Pawn Stars. Now, yeah. I started back into Pokemon. I got back into it in early 2016. Uh, okay. At that time, I was still a pra uh, practicing financial advisor. Uh -huh. And I was just doing some scrolling through uh, eBay and came across some vintage boxes. First one I came across was a Base Set Unlimited booster box. And uh -huh. so that really intrigued me. And I've heard other interviews that you've given in the past. And I had the same type of ideas of, wow, like this... The supply of this cannot be that much. This is this has to be a limited asset, and I thought a very appreciable right. asset. But what's funny is that at that time, I started getting more into Pokemon, and my dad, I never really watched Pawn Stars, but my dad always really liked the show. Uh -huh. And I was into it for a few months, and he came to me and he says, hey, I just saw this episode of Pawn Stars, and there was a guy on there with like $500,000 worth of Charizards, <laughs> and so that that was the first time that that I saw you there. Would you say that through that episode, that really propelled uh, maybe your no notoriety as well as the the hobby's notoriety? Well, you know, even even at the time, I would say for the time in 2016, uh, I was probably 
uh, either the or one of the absolute most popular people in the hobby already, and I had been for many many years. I, you know, be you know as a you know I used to go to all the way all the way from 1999. I used to go to card shops and shows and and you know just to discuss the hobby. I did a lot of eBay and Yahoo. I got I mean on Yahoo auctions I was over 2,000 rated just in 1999. Wow. So I did a lot of stuff. So people did get to know me, and and people people uh, that were in the hobby for quite a while, at least from the beginning, uh, they all already knew me. It was mm -hmm. kind of like me, E. Birdman, Eddie Brennischultz, and then another fellow, Steve Gordon. The three of us were, I guess, the kids would say today, the OGs of Pokemon, <laughs> the granddaddies. We were known. We were we were known. Uh, in fact, it's the whole reason they they came to me, you know, with the, about the Pawn Stars episode, which mm -hmm. may, as you know, was half set up with uh, with an honest negotiation, but it was set mm -hmm. up for me to appear, and and it's because they wanted to get, you know, with Pokemon Go having just come out and Pokemon so popular, they wanted to get a Pokemon segment, and and so they came to me, and uh, so. Yeah, I was I was well known in the hobby well before that, but it blew up when the Pawn Stars theme because things happened uh, like with your dad, you know, people people that uh, you know might have just had a faint memory of their kids, you know, playing Pokemon or something, mm -hmm. uh, you know, suddenly they suddenly or uh, young people who had cards and they and they've grown up and. You know, they were tucked away somewhere. They saw me on Pawn Stars with, at the time, a half a million dollars in value Pokemon cards, and it got them thinking exactly what your dad did. And that is that, and that was my son or daughter had these cards, had a load of these cards. This half a million dollars, you know, let's see, where did I put those cards, or you know, or where did my son, you know, put those cards? And it brought it brought that interest to the surface. And it was the whole reason I did it. I was not interested in selling my collection, believe me, uh, mm -hmm. which is why I, at the for the time, I overpriced it. I knew Rick wouldn't pay, you know, wouldn't pay over market for something. Uh, but that was the whole reason I did it was to bring, you know, was to, you know, piggyback on Pokemon Go and get it, you know, even more popular as, as a comeback thing. Is like you said earlier, there were a couple years just before that that it was on a bit of a slide, you know, and then then it came back up with Pokemon Go. And I knew my appearance on, uh, or I knew a Pokemon appearance on Pawn Stars would be huge. Now I didn't anticipate it being that big, because maybe as you've seen, it's the second most viewed segment in the history of Pawn Stars. Mm -hmm. There's been over 2,000 segments. That Pokemon one is number two. So, you know, that, that says a lot right there. We didn't expect that. I, I knew it would, it would raise attention back towards Pokemon. I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't expect it to be that popular, though. So, yeah, to be, to be honest, yeah, I was pretty well known in the hobby for what it's worth, you know, uh, I mean, I'm the one who started with Eddie Brenda Schultz doing PSA grading on Pokemon cards. During downtimes, I strategized with all the original guys to get it to what can we do to get this back on track to make it more mm -hmm. popular. 
and uh, and so I played a big part in that. So yeah, I was known before. I was pretty well known before, but uh, uh, the Pawn Stars episode, you know, was really blew that up, blew that popularity mm-hmm. up. But it did a lot of good too. So which was the whole reason for doing it. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm interested to know, you know, during those down years, did you ever think to yourself, man, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I made a mistake in in betting on uh, this hobby, or you know, I think much in the same manner as the rest of us, that passion, w- whether it's a downtime or or it's a peak, the passion mm-hmm. for the hobby is always there. But did you think to yourself, well, maybe, maybe this wasn't the the hobby that I thought it was? Um, and then on top of that, what made you go with uh, PSA versus Beckett, some of the other grading companies, and, uh, and dive into that realm? Okay, well, uh, well, about the PSA, about the PSA thing, I was actually friends friendly with Joe Orlando, who was the at the time he was the PSA president, and mm-hmm. uh, I have I had been grading sports cards since the mid '90s. You know, before there was Pokemon, and and so I, for those for those reasons, for those reasons, we went with PSA, uh, mm-hmm. but we could have went with Beckett's. You know, that could have happened. You know, but we just ended up going with PSA, which ended up being a gold mine for PSA. Oh, for and the sure. first part, first part of the question again. Um, you know, were you were you nervous during those oh, during those yeah. downtimes during yeah. the kind of you probably. Oh, I would say it was probably 2000, maybe 2005 to 2015, maybe 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 less, maybe more, but kind of during that time frame. Yeah, you know, I I got to tell you, I I've I've always gone by the premise that as long as a hobby is active, it's safe. Mm-hmm. So it's like if had they stopped, you know, making uh, Star Wars, you know, Star Wars movies, and had then I could see that part of the hobby fizz, you know, fizzling out. If they stopped making sets of Pokemon cards, and if they stopped holding, uh, you know, tournaments and you know, international, you know, worlds and regionals, and uh, had they backed off on that, if they didn't make a, a, a new set, then I would have been very much so. But I, mm-hmm. I know, and, and you as a financial person, you know, ebbs and flows. You know, just because the market goes down doesn't mean you have to sell your house because you know the mar- you know the market's going to come back and you know new houses are going to be built, uh, you know, which is kind of what's going on now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and so that's how I felt about Pokemon. I was never worried about that. And I'm not in the least bit worried now. Of course, there's going to be, you know, drop-offs. I mean, they're, they're, they're supposed to be. There always is. Uh, but then this being the 25th anniversary with all these amazing things coming up this year, uh, I don't see a drop off this year. It could, if it did drop off a little bit in the next year or two, there's going to be something beyond that. Something mm-hmm. else is going to, uh, they're printing sets like crazy. They, they can't make enough set. They can't make enough cards. Uh, and so, yeah, no, I had no, I, all the way from the very beginning, I had no concern about the hobby dying, going the way of Beanie Babies or, you know, going the way of those, you know, of sports cards, you know, the way they did in the 1990s. Uh, no, I had no concern then. I have no concern now. No problem at all. 
Mm -hmm. Well, and I think Pokemon is also unique in the fact that very often I hear people uh, connect Pokemon to comics and how the comics of the 90s just took, you know, a huge hit and now they're not really worth anything anymore. What people don't realize is that the there were multiple even with with sports cards there were multiple companies essentially <clears throat> essentially printing the exact same card whereas with pokemon you have one company that has you know the the full stake in printing these cards and then on top of that it is a multifaceted organization so if there's not pokemon cards being released there's video games or there's the anime there's something always bringing people back into the hobby and movies movies yeah it always something there and but at the core of it i think the way it's always been is the the tcg has always been at the core you know obviously the the games is what started it all but the cards i think is what propelled it to an entirely new level more people are are uh, pl- are collecting the cards than playing the game. That's for sure. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of people playing the game, and they uh, and we have you know now at Pokemon Worlds, you know, there's actually you know different divisions, and you know where they're bringing that into the competitions, and uh, yeah. So you're right. The, the multifaceted side of it just makes it all the safer. Because one thing might drop off a little bit but then something like pokemon go comes up Mm -hmm. you know yep yep it's like it's analogous to the financial world and having a diversified portfolio where you've got your stocks your fixed income you got your short-term reserves well pokemon's got all these different areas that they're pulling from so that if as you said if one takes a, a downturn well they'll just they'll put more resources towards the other to boost it up and it figures it would get better and better now too, better than it ever did, and I think faster. Because mm-hmm. now, if you're playing with your eight-year-old son, you know, if you're playing Pokemon with your eight-year-old son, you're doing it because you're having fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like 1999 where you were doing it just to participate with your kids. You know, now you're doing it because you were nine years old and you were playing with those cards and having a great time, and you can identify with it and actually have fun doing it. You know, yeah. it's that's why I think it's even better today. And the next generation is going to be no different. Now you're going to have grandparents playing with their parents, playing with their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it, it's just uh, my my sons don't have kids yet, but there's absolutely you know no question in my mind that once they do, and when that when those kids reach six, seven, eight years old, uh, they're going to be right with their grandpa, you know, uh, goofing around with Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And, and and all parties enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you bring up a very good point there and one that I've uh, described before as well in that my generation, the mm-hmm. kids that were born in, you know, the early 90s, late 80s, we are the first generation to grow up with Pokemon. And now yeah. we have reached a point where we do have more disposable income. We're at a point in our life where we're now having children and passing on that same passion to our kids. Where right. this is really maybe the, the, the same thing that occurred in Marvel Comics or DC Comics for generations that... I think it spans all the way back to what the 50s, 60s, and look mm-hmm. at the success that those have had uh, over the years, and that's because it's become intergenerational. Where right. now 
Pokemon, my generation, and with the help of you know people like yourself, are now starting that process very similar, similarly to other hobbies. And you know, by the same token, maybe now is a good time for the for the guys your age. I mean, you're the same age as my my oldest was born 1991, and mm -hmm. my youngest son was 1992. Uh, maybe this is a good time you know, to pick up that phone and call, you know, call your dad, call your mom, whoever it was, you know, that uh, that showed an interest with you in Pokemon when when there was no inherent interest inside them. Mm -hmm. You see, it's a little bit easier with me playing with you, right? Mm -hmm. It was a lot different back then, you know, with them, with them, you know, not knowing what in the world a Weedle was or <laughs> what does that even mean, you know, when, uh, you know, but they still did it. You know, they still participated. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, it's it's really says a lot, you know, it says a lot, you know, if your parents were able to, to you know, maneuver the hobby with you at the time, uh, it's time to make a phone call and to thank them for that because it's huge. That's awfully big. Oh, definitely. And it's, and those are some of my fondest memories. You, know, my my parents, they they were sort of into it, you know, or at least you know they they gave me the perception that they were. Uh, but for me, it was always my grandmother. And I've told this story before. I grew up in a real small town in northeastern Arizona, and we had no card shops. We had no way of getting Pokemon cards, uh -huh. so I actually had to drive. 20 minutes to the nearest town where there was a card shop and my grandma would take me every weekend we would drive over we would have lunch we would buy cards and my, she would always tell me okay you got to wait till we get home to open those up and it wasn't we weren't in the car for two minutes and I was already ripping uh -huh. into them but so many great experiences and now she sees me I'm making content on Pokemon she sees that I invest in Pokemon and you know when I see that twinkle in her eye of she she realizes that many of the cards that she bought me as a child mm -hmm. have now brought back this passion later on in my life. It's just such a, an amazing experience. See, she played a big part in it. That's why, mm -hmm. you know, she's, in fact, she deserves an awful lot of thanks, you know, because, you know, without, you know, that participation from her and people like her, you wouldn't have been able to uh, to progress and grow in in the hobby back then without them uh mm -hmm. so no that i love man i love that story a lot yeah yeah it's it's one of my fun and in fact what's so funny i remember the first time um the first pack that i opened back in 2016 i got a an unlimited jungle pack and when uh -huh. i opened it up it still had you know we we it's so funny how the senses, all of our senses will bring back that nostalgia. And when I opened up that pack, there was a smell that came out of there and it immediately put me back into the passenger seat of my grandma's car back oh. in, you know, 1999, 2000. And it, it immediately took me back there. And it's just so powerful. And I think- That's beautiful. Yeah, it, and I think that's what brings people it, 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 what gravitates people to this hobby there there's especially those that started with it back in 99 the late 90s um yeah. there's just so much nostalgia attached to it that it's 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 hard to it's hard to wrap your head around sometimes and a lot a lot of those memories were all built by people like her and mm -hmm. and that's why they they are owed a dedicated that's why i always say pick up your phone and call them they're they're owed 
a debt of gratitude, you know, from, uh, you know, the Pokemon company too, you know, it's because mm -hmm. it's because of them, you know, that the Pokemon, you know, company progressed and grew so much. And, and, uh, and I mean, I admit it's a very wholesome hobby. It's, uh, it's actually a lot of fun. The artwork is cool. You know, it's fun to, you know, to look at and discuss. And you talk many times you hear people saying, you know, they traded their, their, uh, you know, Blastoise for a ponytail because the ponytail was so cute and that well you know that's all artwork you know that's all yeah. you know all a part of it and uh yeah so no that that's a tremendous story you know god love her i i mean i love i i just love hearing those stories you know like that and they they just deserve so much credit i i like it when my son who on instagram he's pokemon prince uh, he started doing some things and he's, uh, you know, he, he's getting involved, but he's always been involved in the hobby. And, uh, and for, uh, in 1999, he was seven years old and very active. He opened up our first pack, our first base set pack and did pull a Charizard. Absolutely did. And didn't let go of it for a month. <laughs> <laughs> and and yet he, he has stories that he tells, you know, on his Instagram or when he communicates through DM with people, he tells stories to, to people that things I didn't rem remember, but having hear him say it, I recall, and then I thought, doggone it, I really, I really made an impression, you know, on mm -hmm. him, you know, I even beyond what I thought I had. and. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then just to see, you know, just to see, you know, how he talks about me and how he respects me, you know, for what I for what I did and, and all that. I mean, I mean, this is all this is all because of Pokemon. He feels he can express. And, you know, he's a typical, you know, hip hop, hip hop rapper, you know, fun, you know. But when it comes to Pokemon, you know, that brings it back that like you were saying, the nostalgia side of it. And you know, and, and that's where that's where the heart is. That's where the heart is, right there. And mm -hmm. so, so it's it's fun. It's fun for me to follow him, and uh, and to listen to his stories and and that, because, uh, you know, they they bring back the memories to me, and they and they make me realize that well, doggone it, I did some things right. You know? Oh, I I would say so, and. and I, you know, I love that. I, I just love, I love hearing those stories as well. And, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that no matter where we go in our lives, I, and I think that's the other thing that I love to see with this hobby is like, like you said, with your son, you know, hip hop, rap, you know, what doesn't always seem to associate with something like this, you know, a trading card game that by all intents and purposes was designed for for kids yeah you've got people out there that you know like myself i was financial advisor businessman you've got doctors lawyers um every people from every walk of life but when you boil it down this was especially i have to say for my generation this was a pivotal part of our childhood you yes. you would be hard pressed to speak with somebody that was that grew up during that time frame that didn't have pokemon cards that wasn't engrossed in pokemon because it was absolutely everywhere and and that was something that we could all rally around that was something that was mm -hmm. a common interest among pretty much every kid and now that we're later you know in our later years you know starting to as i said starting to grow up we're uh -huh. looking for those things that that 
were so enjoyable in our childhood. Right. And it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't make any difference, you know, what we went on, what we've gone on to do, whether it's financial or, I mean, heck, I'm going over to a doctor, one of the top uh, uh, optometrist doctors and researchers in the country. I'm going over to his office tomorrow to bring him uh, a couple signed, you know, autographed Pokemon cards. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just, it's just incredible because I don't care where, what our station in life is. That's our, that's our childhood. You know, that's, mm -hmm. the, that's where our memories is. That's where the nostalgia is. And, and like you said, it doesn't make it make any difference what you've gone on to do. You know, you could be the most, uh, uh, I mean, I take Steve Aoki. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking about, you know, for 20 years, one of the top, you know, music are, you know, DJs in, in the world, uh, you know, owner, owner of world records. And, uh, and I mean, you should see his eyes light up when him and I mess around with Pokemon cards. Yeah. Right. I mean, and also you're talking about somebody that financially is, is insanely well off, right? Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with, see, it doesn't matter where we ended up. Mm -hmm. it, what matters is where we start. And that's where we all started. Yep. And so that's what means, that's what means the most to us. Oh, that's, that's so well said, Gary. Exactly, that, right? that is, that, that is perfectly, perfectly uh -huh. put. Um, I'm interested to know, since you've been here from the very beginning, um, mm -hmm. You know, there there is there's a lot of talk about the negativity and and the negative aspects. But really, I want to hear from you. What are the opportunities that you see? The big opportunities that you see for this hobby for the community as we move on into the future. You know, I hate to sell cards. I hate to sell anything. I hate to give up any of my any of my collectibles I have collectibles going back 40 years that I've been lugging around for 40 years and they have absolutely zero value you know financial value mm -hmm. I might be I might be the worst person to to answer that uh, I mean look at it this way look I have I have a, a, a lot of what have turned out to be you know extremely premium cards and I still don't want to sell them. I've sold two cards in the last two years, you know, and I sold them, well, to one, you know, Steve Aoki, we're twin brothers. We call each other twin brothers. For him, I, I had to. But for, like, for the Logan Paul thing, uh, it just felt right, and I knew it was going to help the hobby, and it did help the hobby big time by mm -hmm. doing that. Uh, but besides, I mean, I get numerous requests a day to sell, you know, to people want to buy my premium cards you know I went to the show and they were holding first edition boxes and they were holding my PSA 10 you know first edition Charizards and and they were coming up and you know, is there any chance you would sell one of these for any price and on and I wouldn't even take offers for them mm -hmm. uh, so as far as you know what what does the future hold well I got to tell you for me not very much because because if it met if that mattered to me uh, I would start selling because the the prices are crazy, right? <laughs> so, uh, so, but now if I let's say let me put on my Scott Pratt hat, and <laughs> let's let's say I had a Patreon, and people are asking me advice that they're paying me for or mm -hmm. something. 
there's very little I could say, but one thing is for sure. I and it's and I, I pretty much told you what I think, and that is the hobby is safe. The hobby they keep putting out product is because people keep buying product. It's uh, it's becoming a part of their lives. It's it's uh, furthering their hobbies for the older guys. It's uh, you know bringing new young people into the hobby. In a, in two months, there's going to be another new set. There, it's just going to go on and on. Well, this I like I said earlier, the hobby is just simply safe. Are there going to be ebbs and flows? Of course. You know, if I were to ask you, you know, well, you know, is this the right time to buy a house? Right. You can have opinions. You know that. You know that. Uh, of course, it's best to buy when the market's low, but you never know where that's going to be. You know, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, there's a lot of people buying houses now, and the prices are at their highest. And they're building. They're building more houses, and people are still getting top dollar. And uh, I mean, this I this guy I just, right here <laughs> buying yeah, buying right. another home. <laughs> Adding another it's, one. It, intellectually I would tell you uh, well let's say you're gonna pay cash okay Mm -hmm. I would tell you well it's be silly to buy a house now because interest rates are so low uh, and house house housing prices are so high well why in the world would you pay cash for a house that's at the highest and and you're not even taking advantage of the interest rates you know Mm -hmm. you know things like that you know things like that uh, but as far as Pokemon is concerned, I I just I just feel confident in the hobby. <clears throat> I don't think you can do anything wrong. I don't think you can do anything wrong besides sell. People ask me, do I regret any of my sales? I regret everything I ever sold. I'd love to have all of it stacked right you know right up here in my house, where like a hoarder, where you just have little aisle ways you can think through. I wish I had every single card back. I ever sold. Uh, so, you know, as far as investment things and that, I guess I'm not the right guy because even though I love the hobby and I think it's extremely safe, uh, I just don't have that kind of a mindset. And mm-hmm. if I did, I would probably do pretty well. Tuan wishes I was a little more like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and even beyond the financials, I'm also interested to to know just kind of your take on the hobby, the community as a whole. What are the opportunities you see for the Pokemon company? What are the what are some of the things you think they can do better? Um, what do you what do you see for the community as as we begin to grow as the, as the community itself expands? What are some of the opportunities or some of the changes that you've seen over the years where you say to yourself, I think this is going in the right direction. I like these these factors that I'm seeing. Well, I would like to see I would like to see a little a little better TPCI infrastructure, the the company that makes Pokemon. The mm-hmm. uh, I mean, these kinds of shortages we have, nobody could have anticipated the extent of the shortages, but you could anticipate some of it and you could have something in you know you could have a plan b in place you know where where you would be be able to produce more cards you know narrow the gap between supply and demand it's almost like uh the gap is getting uh you know the you just cannot find new product and nothing it it doesn't seem to me like anything is being done about it uh so what 
what I would what I would do I would uh, I wouldn't blame anybody except the Pokemon company you know uh, figure out a way to to get more cards out there uh, people are you know other companies are making cards you know Dragon Ball is mm-hmm. is doing an extremely good job you know getting product out there uh, there's ways to do it I'm not in that side of the business and I would uh, but I can tell you this I promise you I would have a few more boxes on those shelves than they have if I was in charge of that and for me it's kind of like you know were you gonna ask any questions about PSA because you know I'm very opinionated on PSA uh, but I, I can give you an, an analogy uh, yeah PSA, sure, sure. yeah they they came up with a with a, uh, a letter recently that they sent to all of us uh, as if there was nothing they could do about what happened. Nobody could have anticipated COVID, of course not. Uh, that, that you know, nobody could have done anything better or different than what they did. And that is balderdash. Because let me tell you something, CGC saw it. CGC saw that. And so they started from basically nothing. Of course, they did comics and all that for years, but they had to get a whole new division in. They had to get, uh, you know, train, machinery, you know, do all this. When they noticed, when they saw what was coming up, what was happening, you know, the little bit longer wait times, you know, slowly longer and longer and longer. CGC saw it. They did something about it. And now they're growing like crazy, mm-hmm. like them or not. You know, they're growing like crazy. Well, my question is, why didn't PSA do that? See, CGC didn't do something that PSA couldn't do, did they? Right. I mean, that, that's their PSA's business. They already had the infrastructure. Any machine that CGC had to purchase, PSA could have purchased mm-hmm. in that. So that's why uh, that's... You know that's kind of, that's kind of the thing that I'm trying to make a point that you know the blame you know can the blame is there but it's mainly on the manufacturers. I've I lo- I love to say PSA started CGC because of mismanagement, and mm-hmm. and uh, I have a love hate like everybody knows a love hate relationship with PSA. Uh, I mean I, I got them Pokemon. I've done I've I've worked you know with them over the years, you know, on so many things, uh, and they've done such a tremendous job so many times, and then other times there's mistakes and there's problems, and I, I'm not I'm not shy, I have no reason not to, you know, voice my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so, to show you something crazy, right now, PSA doesn't even follow me. You know, they unfollowed me over something, you know, recently, wow. but, but they authenticated my signature my autograph now my mm-hmm. autograph is in their database where they will authenticate you know Gary's signature you know which is I mean I, I re, to me I think that's absolutely that's absurd you know because mm-hmm. I'm not an actor I'm not a, a I'm not a voice actor I'm not an artist or anything like that but I guess they got enough requests for it and I sign enough stuff uh, that they did do it but I was shocked that they mm-hmm. did it because I'm a little bit you know, they unfollowed me on Instagram. Wow. <laughs> Not that it matters, but at that same time, they, you know, they uh, approved my signature for for uh, authentication. So, 
Yeah, wow. so it, I know it, it's, uh, you know, those are my two big gripes. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do very little negatives, but it's always has something to do with those things, you know, with uh, especially with the PSA thing. But then there's a positive, you know, there they authenticated my signature. And that's, that's crazy. If you go through their list, because I, I checked it to see how they put my name down in there. Mm -hmm. And you see, uh, you see Babe Ruth, King George, Michael Jordan, and Gary King Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> That's some good company. That's some real good company. Is that crazy? Is that is that? Oh, well, I can't help but be flattered, you know. But but it is absurd. But you know, at least they did it. And there are people that that you know, I, I guess wanted it or they wouldn't have done that. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, and, and going back to what you said about PSA, I've had, I just recently had Graded Gem on who, you know, one of the largest PSA middlemen. I had uh, James, uh, aka Z from Z&G Emporium on who is yes. a middleman uh, or an ambassador rather for Graded Gem. And, and I like him. Oh yeah, yeah, James is great. He, he lives about 20 minutes from me as well. Such a small uh -huh. world. But, uh -huh. um, you know, talking with them and I, and I've Stay said it before. For me. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Well, you're not, you're not too far from us as the crow flies, That's you know, That's Vegas true. isn't too far. <laughs> nope. Just a few but, hours. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, talking to them and, and what I have said before, to me, it's baffling that we're in 2021 and most grading companies are still using human graders for the core of their grading process. Yes. No CGC has a little bit of a combination of both, both algorithm and computer-based grading and human graders. Mm -hmm. But I really think that at some point we're probably going to have strictly algorithm or computer-based grading, which to me is a good thing because ultimately that builds more consistency in the grading process. I can see yeah. some some potential animosity there because people may say, well, are the cards that were graded prior to the algorithm or the computer, are those just not you know valid anymore because they were human graders? Um, but I see a lot of potential there. And as you said, I think CGC is looking at this going, wow, there's an opportunity here to really step into the market to shake things up while PSA is so backlogged and backed up. And especially now that they've transitioned from publicly held to a privately held company, I think yes. that there's, there's a lot of opportunity for CGC. There is, and as far as computer grading is concerned, uh, I've been, uh, I, I've been um, confronted by by somebody who wants me to endorse a a pretty advanced uh, you know computer program that could be ready in the next month, and wow. so uh, and so I, I I I realize you know like I'd love to say you know when I was born we didn't have a TV set in the house you know we we had to go to a neighbor's house to watch you know two. 30 minute black and white TV shows. <laughs> so I, I am not, I am no tech expert, right? Uh, and a lot of older, a lot of older people think, well, there's newfangled stuff. Although I, I'm kind of like that. When cell phones first came out and they had the brick phones, I said, what a stupid idea. You know, who would ever, 
I mean, I can just pull over at the phone booth here and make my call. Who would ever spend money on a portable <laughs> phone? So that that's, that shows you sometimes we're not as smart as we think we are. <laughs> now suddenly our whole life, our whole life is on the phone. Oh right? yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I'm. Let me see. What was I getting at there? Um, so I'm in, You were oh, talking oh, about, about the endorsement about the computer. Yeah. yeah. And, and so they so they came to me and I'm like you. I love the idea. I absolutely mm -hmm. love the idea. And I see no reason why why it couldn't operate expertly. I really mm -hmm. I really see that. And I'm not saying I'm getting involved, you know, because you know there's you know four. I mean I'm retired. You know I'm I'm okay with my bills and stuff. You know I don't really need to get involved in in a you know, in any kind of a money-making thing and go back to work or, or whatever. I just love this idea so much. It doesn't mean I'm going to get into it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to push it because there's any reason to. It's just that I feel like you do. It makes nothing but sense. Nothing. I mean, a computer didn't have a fight with their wife before they left to work, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I know there's times I feel good, times I feel bad. If I look at a card, if I look at a card and I see and I see a borderline nine nine to ten, if I'm not feeling right, oh, I give it a nine, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and and yet and yet if I just got my stimulus check, I say, oh, that's a ten, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> but computers aren't aren't going to you know be like that. So I I love I love the uh, the idea of it, and if it actually works properly and, and works uh, accurately. Uh, I mean, I see not nothing but good, you know, about mm -hmm. it. I, I feel the same as you, and I know there's others that maybe don't. I, I really don't catch the argument against it, but mm -hmm. um, but I like that too. Well, and on top of that, uh, not only does the computer system, you know, not have a fight at home, but the computer doesn't require paid time off, sick leave. It can work 24/7 essentially if it needed to. So yes. the backlogs that we're having right now would essentially be non-existent because right. you would have systems running. Really, at that point, it's a it's a win-win for the company because you reduce your your staffing, you reduce your overhead. Maybe you hire people to collect products or to collect mm -hmm. the cards to ship them back out but the yep. whole process in between that used to require tons of man hours uh, you've essentially lim uh, eliminated that and you can get cards out back out to customers much much faster yes no that that's very that's very true yeah it uh, it would have to speed it up I I don't know uh, I mean, I can't see it taking the the computer longer to to put a number on it than it does for an individual to do it. It can't be take longer, and that, like you said, it can go twenty four seven. Chances are, and yeah, you can use humans, you know, to double check to make you know quality control checks and things like that. Uh, but I I don't think there's any doubt that's going to happen. No, no, I I think that there's. Um the the old norms the old paradigms i think are going to be hard to break for many of these companies and i think it will take maybe a cgc i could see if there were any of the bigger grading companies that would do it i i would 
think that it would probably be CGC, but more than likely it's going to take a, a brand new company to, to step in and say, nope, this is what we're gonna do from the very beginning. Uh, because I right. think PSA, Beckett, that they they are very much stuck in their their way of doing things they've done it for decades now and uh, i think at this point in my opinion psa is moving more towards high-end grading i guess you could say i think they're they're going to completely eliminate their bulk submissions i think that they're only going to allow certain thresholds uh, certain the thresholds of value for cards to actually be submitted and i think they want to appear more as like the the gold standard so you know for gary you know they're only going to be accepting those first edition base set uh charizards you know those type of gold standard cards and then maybe because I think now that they're privately held, they're looking at it as, you know, people can send in cards that maybe they acquired for, you know, raw card for a few hundred dollars, get that card encapsulated, authenticated, graded, and that could 10x the value on that card. And they're seeing right. that the sort of disassociation from what they're charging to what people are actually receiving in return. It's going to be interesting to see to see if mm -hmm. that's the case. And uh, in fact, it's going to be interesting to see who, you know, you you think it's CGC or it could be a brand new company. It's going to be it's going to be fun watching. I know this company that that is trying to get me to work with them. Uh, they have two major companies that are extremely successful already, and now they want to get into this. So. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I can see them doing, you know, very well. And yeah, so I, it, it's just gonna be fun to watch that evolve. But I think it's going in that direction like you do. I, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and human graders could be a thing of the past real soon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it's, as I said, we're really on the precipice of so many things within the hobby and it will be yeah. a lot of fun to see where, where things go. But Gary, before yeah. we uh, before we go ahead and wrap up here, um, you know, on top of you know your amazing collection and you know everything that you do for the community and, and all of those things, one of the the aspects that you've you know like that that check there right behind you, you have done so much good in in donating so much money to charity and creating so many charities. I know that the uh, Autism Foundation is near and dear to your heart as well. Uh, before we wrap things up here, can you give some of our listeners, some of our viewers, some insight on maybe some new uh, some new events or new charities that you have coming up that we can all look forward to? Yeah, well, there was a tremendous one tonight, you know, that uh, John, Pokemon Radar, mm -hmm. uh, put together. In fact, uh, while we were talking, he sent me a text. He wanted to discuss the results because he—I think he said they that it raised fifty or sixty thousand. Wow! And uh, and the beneficiary, the majority of the beneficiary is going to be me and Steve. It's going to be the Aoki Foundation. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, so I mean that—that's just tonight, you know, yeah. something that happened. And yes, there uh, the. The next Collecticon, you know, which is coming up in just a couple months, and it's also going to be in Texas. Uh, they're they're going to be donating to our charity, you know, to the Aoki Foundation. Uh, 
you know, on stage, I'm going to be doing an appearance there, but they're going to be presenting the check to Tuan and I, you know, mm-hmm. on behalf of the foundation. Steve will be doing a recorded, a recorded message of thanks, you know, to collect a con and that. Uh, and then there's going to be, uh, hopefully, in Las Vegas. Now, this is just between you and me. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, in, hopefully in Las Vegas, uh, Collecticon three. I mean, what better place in Vegas to, to yeah. run a you know, to have a convention, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, wait, there's no downtime in Vegas, right? No. So, <laughs> so uh, that's that's going to be coming up. You know, later on in the year. Uh, we're having a, a major event in on October 9th here in Las Vegas, uh, where we're going to be doing a box break of the first edition base box that was given to me by by Chris from Dumb Money. You know the mm-hmm. legit box, Chris from Dumb Money. He he put it in my hand, and now it, now it's mine on behalf of the charity. And awesome. every single nickel is going. He's getting nothing back, nothing out of it. Uh, it's all going to our charity. That'll be October 9th. And we're building it around a whole event. You asked about events that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the great DJ, you see, uh, the great DJ, uh, uh, James Kennedy, is, you know, is already committed to come and do the music work. Uh, like I, I told Steve the other day, uh, he's, out, he's out of the country, but I, you know, I talked to him on the phone. Like I told him the other day, if um, if uh, James Kennedy didn't agree to do this, then it was going to be Steve and I doing the DJ work. And <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what just to just to pique my interest, what would you what would you throw on the track, Gary? Yeah, you know what's a track. <laughs> <laughs> so well, anyway, I- that. That that event's going to be tremendous. You know that oh, one on October night is, is going to be amazing. It's going to be a it, there's going to be a financial content creators uh, meeting in the morning uh, with guys. You know with guys like Graham Stephan, who's one of my new neighbors here in town now. Uh, you know with with these guys, and then there's going to we're going to be doing all kinds of things like you know throwing cakes at each other and you know just having fun. And then we'll be doing the box break on October 9th, live box break from four to eight mm-hmm. before Steve has to run off to one of the our local casinos where he does a residency to work. Mm-hmm. So that'll be from four to eight, you know, eight o'clock solid because he has to run off and, you know, to that job. But, you know, we were talking about how busy Steve is and this gives you an idea. That was the one day for the rest of the year that he could give me, that he would he could commit to me to do our charity event in that. Otherwise we are looking at 2022 at some mm. point. So yeah, so anyway, that's a big event. Of course, uh, the uh, even though foreigners won't be able to go into Japan, you know, there is gonna be the, the Olympics in Japan and there could be a, quite a Pokemon influence there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something else that's, that's gonna be good for the hobby. Uh, of course, Pokemon has things planned, and they have some surprises, you know, that we're not privy to uh, coming up. Uh, I mean, there, there's just so much coming up this year that that I, th- this is such a fun time for us. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, definitely. I, it's, and I can only expect it getting bigger and better as now that we're starting to, it seems, transition out of the pandemic. Things are starting to open up more. Mm-hmm. People are starting to get out and about, getting to more social gatherings. Uh, yeah. I can expect that over the course of the next year or so, um, especially with this being Pokemon's 25th anniversary, it's mm-hmm. it's only going to explode even further as people right. want that connection. They want to be able to meet people like yourself in person. Uh, I'm interested, the one on October 9th, is that going to be open to the public? Uh, no, that's that's no. going to be, that's uh, uh, that won't be. It's going to be at one of our local guys' estates and it's uh, going to be a, an invitation only only event mm-hmm. uh, but then soon after the same week or the following week we're hoping to do the the collecticon uh, mm-hmm. and remember this is just between you and me <laughs> and you, you and us you know not, that isn't finalized yet but i figure the more i talk about it the better chance it's going to happen because mm-hmm. i would love it to be in vegas i i mean vegas is a great place for collectible shows anyway and for sure. uh so hopefully the third one is going to be is going to be here, and um, and so but it's not finalized. Within two weeks on the Collecticon website, they'll be you know doing the updates on number two and number three. See, number one was so successful, the one from two weeks ago, mm-hmm. where uh, uh, real breaking Nate Leon Hart and I, you know, we did our appearance, you know, signed in pictures and that Antoine. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny. She has quite a following. You know, she Twanda. Does. Yeah. yeah, she does. Uh, and so, so that that was really that that was really flattering to her that people were asking her for her autograph and stuff like that. It was so cool. But well, I'll tell you what. She I, I have to tell you real quick, Gary. Uh-huh. So what is so funny is I actually have one of Twan's giveaways. Uh, this was, gosh, probably summer of last year she had a giveaway on instagram which was a signed uh base set polyrath and i actually won it so i've got yours and her signature on the polyrath (laughs) what was it was it an ungraded one right signed on the card signed on the card yeah wow yeah really oh that that is so cool yeah she had a lot of fun with that and she's still gonna be i think she's gonna be running one soon uh, one of our Collecticon uh, VIP badges uh, signed by Nate, real breaking Nate and myself mm. that she'll be giving away. And you know, Nate is a sweetheart. He's loved oh, by so sure. many people. That, that, sure. That's going to be a tremendous you know, one. But yeah, she's done those giveaways. I had a guy that came up to me in line at, in, uh, in Frisco, in Dallas and uh, showing me his giveaway and it was a base Charizard that she gave away in the very beginning when she first wow. started and that <laughs> and now now that card is is worth 20 times what it was worth when she gave it away but <laughs> uh, yeah but that's uh yeah but that's you know that that it was it, that's kind of like how it was you know for that show and you know it was like triple the number of people we were expecting and because Pete like you just said people want to get out people you know it's been a year right you know we're mm-hmm. sociable animals we want to we want to do things and and uh and and the good news is i must have fist pumped or shook hands or hugged a thousand people there mm-hmm. right with masks without masks uh, i i tried to wear my 
my shield, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Twan says, don't hide your pretty face. So I wore a shield. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, uh, and, and, and yet not one case of COVID can be traced back to the convention. And this is, this is like 15 days later. Not one mm -hmm. case of COVID uh, can be traced to anybody who attended that convention. So yeah, this is starting to get over with now. And mm -hmm. and we're and and people are dying to get out, you know, dying to get to these shows. I don't know how much you were, how many pictures you saw of the show, but I mean, we got double the in-state attendance, triple the out-of-state attendance. A lot of those states don't let don't let you go to the you know go to the market, right? Or don't yeah. let you go to a restaurant, right? Well, they were all leaving the state to go to uh, to go to this show. Because, like you said, they want to get out. They want to do things now, and and this gives them the opportunity. And it was so successful, safe and successful. You know, mm -hmm. that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. And and we're and we, there was a concern. We were worried about that. And now now it it makes it you know it's super obvious that that's fine. And now three months down the road, it's going to be even better. You know, more vaccinated people. Yeah. And. Uh, and that, of course, I've been vaccinated because of my age and, mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, but that uh, that that's just gonna that's gonna be a lot of fun. And now now's the time people can start. You know, stay safe. You know, do what you're supposed to do. But you know, you got to live your life. You got to live your life. I mean, this has been a rough this has been a rough year for too many people. And now let's party. You know, but you know, safely. Of course. That's right. That's right. Well, if if uh, for any reason it doesn't work out uh, elsewhere with Collecticon, we're we're pretty open here in Arizona. I'm just putting it out there, Gary. We're uh, pretty you open. are. <laughs> so what? It would be great to go from Nevada to Arizona. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that would be great because Arizona and Nevada, you know, we can draw from all over the West Coast. You know, draw a ton from California. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, absolutely. You know. I guarantee you Arizona is on is on the radar there. I, I assure you that. And we want to get to different places, you know, different states and in mm -hmm. that. And I, I just hope I can, you know, keep up with it because I, I love the guys that are doing it. They're just tremendous, good people, you know, mm -hmm. solid people, experienced, extremely, extremely competent. Uh, so I hope to do a lot of things, you know, a lot of things with them and and yeah, and I agree. Let's 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 go to uh, let's go to uh, Scottsdale or Phoenix or what is the little town you're from? Uh, I live over in Queen Creek, actually, which is oh. in the the southeast part of the the Phoenix metro. But uh, the the house that I'll be moving to is uh, in a place called uh, Gold Canyon, which is even further out. I, I oh. like to I like to be on the outskirts. I'm not much of a city guy, so I like to be on the outskirts. I like to be close enough to the city, but far enough out that I've got space. I see. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean a, a convention there. I mean that that town, that area, that valley can support ten conventions. You know, you. Oh yeah. You, I mean, absolutely. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, Gary, I am really looking forward to it. I hope uh, that we'll be able to actually meet in person 
here pretty soon. And uh, sure. it, it's just been a pleasure speaking with you today, man. Like like sure. I said, you, you're such a genuine guy. And no matter who it is that you're you're speaking with, the, the biggest of creators, influencers, celebrities, down to the little people, uh, you just, you, as I said, your generosity just extends uh, the same no matter who it is. So I, I truly appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, for anybody out there that uh, wants to connect with you, find you on your different platforms, what are all of your uh, different social media handles, all that good stuff? Well, well you know, once again, the, the guy that had no TV set when he was a kid, uh, I'm not big on social media, but I do, I do Instagram, you know, Real King Pokemon on Instagram and I have a little tiny YouTube thing going on uh, mainly because I don't know how to work it you know but uh, maybe, maybe uh, next time you're down here in Vegas you you can help me out with that <laughs> but yeah really just just on just on Instagram real King Pokemon and my wife Twan at autism instruct uh, she uh, you know she helps me you know uh, with my scheduling and that Mm -hmm. because I because my brain is old so she helps me <laughs> and, uh, and so and then a little bit on YouTube I put a few things on YouTube that might be fun to watch I don't know you know mm -hmm. but, but that one is just King Pokemon awesome awesome well Gary again thank you so much for being here today I hope that we can get you back on again in the new near future and uh, hope to see you in person soon absolutely thank you so much for asking me and and I, I guarantee you I'll be back. Awesome. Well, you heard it here, guys. Other than that, we will see you all next time right here on the Pokemon Masterclass. Take care, everybody.